Please be seated. Jesus heals ten lepers, and only one returns, a foreigner, an outcast, an exile. We just read in Jeremiah 29 about an exile, an outcast community in the city of Babylon. If you were at all paying attention in Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 7, we actually see a place, a peace, and a person. I want to speak first about a place. Last week I had the privilege of going back to my 20th year reunion at West Point, and one of the events that we had was a travel on a barge or a bateau, uh, leaving from Pier 50, Chelsea Pier, and then going down and seeing this beautiful sight, which my great-grandfather saw for the first time in 1905, and that was the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island. 60% of all Americans can trace their lineage through that one island, the island of Ellis Island. Jeremiah speaks about pilgrims, about sojourners, about exiles, about outcasts. I saw that same sight that my great-grandfather got to see. In this text, we see a place we actually see two places. Verse 1 tells us about Jerusalem. It also tells us about Babylon. We see two cities. It is a motif that goes throughout the Bible. The Bible nearly begins with a city in chapter 4 of Genesis, and in chapter 22 of Revelation, it ends with another city. There's the city of man in chapter 4 of Genesis, and the city of God in Revelation 22. There's a place. But how do you look at a city when you, when you see it? Are you thrilled? Or are you already thinking tomorrow about the slug of having to commute on I-4? Or are you thinking about the city as this place of promise? Or maybe you're like those that we helped at iDignity this last Thursday, where you see the city as a place of protection where the vulnerably housed can come and survive better in a city than they can out in the rural areas. Cities offer promise. Cities are a place where people go to make, their, to make a name for themselves. As Frank Sinatra said, if, if I can make it in the city, I can make it anywhere. And maybe that's how you look at the city. Babylon has a city, its capital, of the whole Babylonian Empire. And they had been to many other cities and conquered many cities. Jerusalem was one of many of those. But what this passage is telling us is how we can live as citizens in the city. And what do I mean by citizens in the city? I'm not saying citizens of Orlando or citizens of Maitland or citizens of Longwood. I'm talking about citizens of the heavenly city. The city of Babylon had conquered and surrounded Jerusalem. And Jeremiah writes in a different book, the book of Lamentations, about this very surrounding and conquering. And this is very important for us to realize. We live in a culture and in a city and in a nation that's very fragmented. People of different cultures, different groups, different backgrounds, and we live more divided than ever. How do we live in a city together? 
All you have to do is look at Twitter and see people complaining about who someone sits beside in a baseball game. We live in a fragmented society. And the Babylonians had three ways of looking and dealing with the city. The people of God had that same option too. The Babylonians um, came to Jerusalem and, and they've, they'd had a bit of practice with other cities. They, they could dominate the city. And they could just utterly destroy it and repress it. And then all they would experience was resistance and, and this sort of uprising. The second thing that was an option for them was to, to have assimilation. And that's where, whereby all the surrounding cultures just imbibed everything else. And all you have to do is look at the book of Daniel. Daniel had a Hebrew name, but he also was given a name in the Babylonian Empire, Belshazzar. He was, there was this cultural assimilation that Babylon was trying to do. And actually, one of the beauties of the lectionary is that we get to read through the Bible, but sometimes the lectionary doesn't do us a favor, so it's good to read the context. Read Jeremiah 28 and get a little bit more context. Look at the lectionary. We did verse 1, and then we jumped verses 2 and 3. Skip those. But verses 2 and 3 actually fill in this story even better for us. It tells us how King Jeconiah and the Queen Mother and all of his officials are taken as exiles. Because what is Babylon trying to do? They're trying to assimilate the intelligentsia. If they can assimilate the intelligentsia of, of Judah, then they can control Judah, and Judah will become part of Babylon with no problem. That's one way to deal with differences make everyone think alike. Or you can do something different. The other option, which is what you see this exiled expat community doing, they, there's a letter sent from Jeremiah to the people in exile, and it says that the people were on the other side of the Kebar Canal. In other words, they did not go into the city. Why would they go into the city? Babylon had encircled them, had surrounded them, had destroyed them, had taken them into exile. And that's all nice and quaint. But if you actually read the other book that Jeremiah wrote, Lamentations chapter 2, you see that there is a deeper, even more meaningful thing that is happening. And there's a reason why they're not going to the city. Chapter 2 of Lamentation speaks about this utter desolation that Jerusalem has experienced. They've been circled. There's a famine. And what you see is... In, in Jeremiah, sorry, in Lamentations chapter 2, mothers are so starved that they're even boiling and eating their own children. Context is important. If you want to understand what's going on in this passage and how shocking this letter is that Jeremiah sends to the exile saying, go love this city that's enslaved you, you have to read it in context of, Jer of Lamentations. And you may have even heard uh, the dean quote Lamentations chapter 3 verse, uh, uh, verses 14 through 22 where he says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every day. That verse comes in the context of Lamentations chapter 2. It comes in the context of Jeremiah 29. So you can dominate, you can assimilate, have no cultural difference being a Christian in a pagan culture, or you can be tribal and, and live outside the city. And Jeremiah tells them to do a fourth thing for that place. Don't try to dominate, 
Don't try to assimilate. Don't even try to be, tr- to, 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 to be segmented, but be a faithful presence. Be a respectful resistance, is what he says. Seek the welfare of the city. So there's the place, but the next thing you see is a peace. And the peace is this. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, uh, immigrated from Ukraine to the United States, and he would actually greet people in his congregation with not the peace of the Lord be always with you, but with the words shalom. And the thing is, we think that shalom is simply just a way of saying hi or hello. That's the greeting that you will get in the streets of Tel Aviv nowadays. But shalom means so much more than that. And actually, if you look at verse 7, that word shalom is, is used three times And if you are not using the Revised Standard Version or you brought your own translation, whether it's the ESV, the NIV, or any other translation, you'll see that they actually translate it three different ways because that word shalom is so nuanced and so beautiful. It doesn't just mean peace. It means prosperity. It means welfare. It's actually the right running of the universe. So we see a peace. And Jeremiah says to the exile community, Seek the peace of the city. You see, in, in chapter 28, another letter came from different prophets, from false prophets, telling them, don't seek the peace of the city. In fact, stay outside of the Kabar Canal. Don't move into the city. Don't love the city. They oppressed you. Do not. Do not live in the city or for the city. And Jeremiah says, no. Move into the city. Plant vineyards. Get married, buy houses, give in marriage. Live for the city. Live in the city, live for the city, even a city that is radically different than you. Seek the welfare, the prosperity, the right running of the city. Seek its, its cultural growth, its, its economic growth, its social growth. Seek its spiritual growth. That's what Jeremiah says. Orlando has two and a half million people living here. I lived on the outskirts of London. There are nearly 17 million Brits that live inside London. That's one in three Brits live there. God says in the book of Jonah, to Jonah, he says, should I not love that great city of Nineveh? God loves cities because cities contain more image bearers per capita than non-cities. Just think of it that way. A Harvard sociologist said that actually every year, five million people will move from the countryside to the city. Seek the welfare of the city. Seek the welfare. Seek the peace of the city. But what are we to do with that? What, are we, what does that mean to seek the welfare of the city. You see, when you look at the city of man, and St. Augustine put it this way, he says, you, you, you're either living for the city of man or you're living for the city of God. What was the purpose in Genesis 4 and later on at the Tower of Babel? Let us go to the city to make a name for ourselves. The whole point was to say, your life for mine. What can I get out of the city? And what Jeremiah says, no, that is not how the people of God are to be. It is not your life for mine. It is my life for yours. 
seek the welfare of the city. But, but how do we seek the welfare? It's impossible. It's crushing. We, we can't do this. But here is the rub. I said there's a person. There's a place, there's a peace, there's a person. In verse 1 it says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and this is the letter that he sent. It's the same word that's used, it's the, almost the, the same opening words of the book of Deuteronomy. It's almost the same words that you find in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And if you read the message paraphrase, which I love reading different translations because they, they, t- they bring out different nuances. John chapter 1, verse 14 in the message says it this way. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, is into urban renewal. That's what He's all about. Not just in some physical capacity of build nice cathedrals and nice buildings, or even feeding people and taking care of social ills. He is interested in the shalom. He's interested in the spiritual flourishing, the economic flourishing, the social flourishing of the city. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. But how do you and I get the power to to live for the peace of our city, you might ask? And the book of Hebrews is very clear about that. It says that Abraham went looking for a city whose architect was God. He wasn't looking for a city. He was looking for the person to whom the city belonged. He was looking for God himself, the person and work of Christ. When you look at a city, you might see promise. You might see see pressure. You might see stress. But do you have the heart of Jesus, that as he crested all of it, and he looked upon Jerusalem in the book of Luke, what does he say? It says that he wept. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish I could gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. The book of Hebrews goes on to say that Jesus, let us therefore be like Jesus and go outside of the city, outside the camp, Let us be missioners. You haven't just hired me to be the missioner. God is not just looking for a select crack few commandos to take care of the social ills or the economic ills or the cultural ills or the spiritual ills of this city. He's called you and I to be his missioners. Therefore, let us go outside the camp just as Jesus Christ went outside the camp to that hill of Calvary. You see, before creation, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit got together and they said, look, we know that this world is going to get turned upside down. And my people will exile themselves. The only way to bring them back from exile is if you, Jesus, go into exile that they may be brought in. And Jesus said, Father, let's do that. I will do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So long before creation, they make a covenant, they make a secret plan to go do that. And he goes outside the gate to bring us in to the gate. So, Father, we ask that as we have read this passage about seeking the welfare, the flourishing, the spiritual life of this city, 
may we also go outside the camp as your missionaries to live and serve to your praise and glory in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.